This is Film Club. Welcome everyone to the final Film Club of 2023. Yes, I am aware it's 2024 currently, but we're going to recap Tootsie and then kind of take a, a nice look back at ABTTG podcast, aka the films of Film Club in 2023. I picked this. It was on my list for teas for a while. I had to pick two tea films. I guess now is as good a time as any. Briefly talking about why we picked films. <laughs> Lauren and I did have a debate mid-March, April, ABT. March and April, actually, with True Grit and then The Sting. When I picked The Sting, I, I figured... The it's not just you can't refer to it just as Sting, whereas like the Lion King, you can refer to it as just Lion King. But the Sting is it the article is important. But then it became this long debate of for the future films, can we ignore articles or do we have to include them? <laughs> it was slightly heated, <laughs> but ended up because I think you were gonna do something else for I had G. planned one where I was going to ignore the the article. The the, the B. So yeah, pick one with the, and it became T. I was like, "Oh, my plans are ruined." <laughs> saboteur, um, <laughs> yeah, because Delta, obviously, I'm going by airline standards, categorizes their films by the, but most things ignore the article. So, anyway, it was just a funny debate that I thought we should include. But so for choosing Tootsie, um, I think. Largely, I wanted to pick it because if there was no confusion with articles. But we had seen this two years ago now? No, because we watched it together. So it was before I left for Florida. I think it was before I even like kept a letterbox to count. Oh, wow. That's so long ago. <laughs> a long time. At least um, four years ago. I think we picked it because like it's a well-known film and we loved we went through a Dustin Hoffman phase. And I remember enjoying it and thinking it was really funny and I've always wanted to get back to it. So it seemed like a good as time as any. And I, upon returning to it, I, there are elements of it that I still really enjoy. And I think the biggest plus for the film is Dustin Hoffman and his performance. <laughs> but it wasn't as fantastic a film as I remembered. But I think it opens itself up to some really interesting avenues for conversation and discussion so i'm really excited to delve into this and i haven't looked at what our couple regimes submitted but i'm excited to hear what they had to say as well so basically <laughs> i don't really my i feel like my review is going to be a little bit all over the place so bear with me but when is it not i loved the opening with the acting class oh my gosh it is just like triggering is not the right word necessarily because I think that makes you think of like a, a bad memory but it is just like put you right back yes if this is not what acting classes are like when it's like but keep it specific and just all all the things that they're saying and the exercises they're doing I'm like ooh, this is funny it's it's a good call out on the reality of acting classes and I just from the get-go I just love Dustin so much mm -hmm. Ugh, he's so great I really don't have that much to say plot-wise. Like, I feel like most of the things that I'm going to talk about are, like, along technical lines and a discussion of gender roles and the things that are brought up there. I have a few things that are funny. I don't know if there's, like, any plot points you wanted to talk about before we delve into more of a, like, 
serious discussion? Um, I did have a question. I don't understand why. What's the girl's name? Julie. Julie. I don't know why Julie invited her older coworker to her dad's house for the holidays. <laughs> like, was she trying to set them up or? Mm. It was just, I was like, this is the oddest. I would never invite any of my coworkers to my parents' house. Like, maybe she felt bad that she was alone or like she knows she doesn't have any family. Mm -hmm. But it's just, they have the oddest relationship. It's so funny. They do. And is it like a plot point more than, right? Like, could they have done a better job of making it a good reason? Like, or is it yeah. just serving the plot? Yeah. Um, I do feel like, Dorothy uh, is such a breath of fresh air in a lot of ways to the business of the soap opera scene. Mm -hmm. I feel like their friendship is legitimate, for Julie at least, <laughs> as as far as she can see it. And I, I obviously, I think Michael clearly had a friendship and then it developed into something further. But I don't feel like it's crazy outside the realm of possibility, but I'm also like, of course you wouldn't. <laughs> like, just invite some random. Like, that is not your so odd. Your impulse at all. Yeah. But I don't feel like it's, like, that bizarre, especially for holidays and stuff. I think people are a little bit more like, oh, you don't have anybody, like, come. Yeah. Come spend it with us. And I think, was that after she had babysat? Dorothy had babysat for julie as well i don't remember i don't even remember the baby being at the house for the holidays so i think it was but it, most of the scenes took place at night when when after she was down but she was definitely like there before like the piano scene and stuff anyway mm -hmm. some of my favorite funny parts okay these are my two favorite funny parts which is saying something because I think there's a lot scattered through, but funny parts. the ones that stood out enough, I had to write them down. This one, <laughs> he is doing the reading for the first time and they're like zooming in and he sees Julie come in and he's like all flustered because she's beautiful and whatever. And he drops the papers and it's kind of the first time, I don't know, just like the Dorothyisms that just slip out. And he's just like, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> like, oh, it's my favorite. I just, I think... Dorothy um, has these, like, grand moments where she stands up and uh, speaks for herself and there's she's very eloquent. And then there's these other moments where, they, like, I don't know if they were scripted or if it was just Dustin, but it just kind of seems like little things slip out. And <laughs> I just love them so much. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. <laughs> um, and my other favorite thing is when... I'm trying to remember. I think it's when Julie's upset about something and I can't remember if she's mad at Dorothy or not but she grabs I think it's after Dorothy tries to kiss her and she's like grabbing for the phone and she picks up a random corn cob instead and Dorothy just goes well that's a corn cob she's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite I love it so much <laughs> I like don't even remember those parts <laughs> Oh my gosh, they really stood out to me, what can I say? Of course, the end reveal is just hilarious, like when he's just going off the rails, coming up with this wild story. And, and he's like stuttering and like, and, 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 and. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, who was this? 
I wrote down a quote that says, I had a dream. You had big teeth, but you were still a nice person. Maybe that's <laughs> Bill Murray. I think Bill Murray's. <laughs> Can I just say, this is possibly Bill Murray's best role. Really? He's, like, he's a decent man. He doesn't say anything like off color, does he? Mm. I feel like his character, and this is like maybe just because it was rooted in the 80s with the topic, but I feel like his character was so overly like, let's make sure you're not like gay or not a transsexual, <laughs> like a transgender. Like he was just like, so like, what, like, is this on board? Like that got a little bit old for me. Okay. But I'm just like, I'm also like, I really don't like Bill Murray in general. Yeah, and you were looking for bad things in No, I just don't like him. <laughs> I thought, like, he was actually funny. He's a supportive roommate. Like, this is, I think this is a role that he's tolerable in. There are okay. other films that I've seen where I'm like, I can't, I can't stand it. Okay, I will, I will back off on my Bill Murray hate. Uh, I know, um, I forgot that he was in this, and so... I think when I started watching it, I texted you and I was like, what have I done? Why have I picked a movie that has Bill Murray in it? It was your own fault. I know. Um, I also love when he's trying to get a taxi as, um, what's her name? Dorothy. And he just goes, taxi! <laughs> <laughs> I love um, his Dorothy voice so much. I know. I love the relationship between um, Michael and his agent. Mm. I think they're really funny too. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like when their their banter is hilarious. Yes, like even before Dorothy comes into the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love the restaurant when she like sits down and he's really like, "What is going on? Like, who is this woman?" <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> oh, just the I wrote the quote in my letterbox review where he's like. Nobody does vegetables like me. <laughs> Just his rants about acting and yes. his commitment. Um, did you know that his agent is played by Sidney Pollock, the director? Oh, that's fun. So that's a fun little role that he put himself into. <laughs> and who will I cast for this? Me. Me <laughs> Um, Some of the technical things that I really liked... Of course, the very famous Tootsie shot of all the people walking in New York. And then suddenly the camera focuses right on Dorothy and just like how it's such a beautiful shot. And I think it's, I can't remember, this is good research on my part, but I I don't remember if it originated with this movie or if it's playing on riffing on others. So uh, Kep Regime's audience, if you know. Please let us know, uh, alert us to the fact, and we will update it. But because I feel like it's a it's a shot that is um, replicated in lots of different films of like a, a mass of people walking towards the camera, and it's kind of unfocused, and then suddenly the person you're supposed to be paying attention to comes into focus. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like when on the street, yeah, of New York, yeah, yeah. Do you? Was it? Did it start with this film, or did, is it referencing another film? I, I, don't know. I feel I like it's kind of like the quintessential Tootsie shot. Like I feel like this is where it originates. Anyway, I, I get. I think it's an elf too. Maybe not. Yeah, it's an elf, and it that definitely references Tootsie. Yeah, like it's a throwback for that. Um, 
this movie, I feel like is a love, well, love letters, maybe a weird phrasing. It is a slice of New York, I feel like, but the New York acting scene. But it also is just kind of like a reveal on all the actors have to go through in a lot of ways and just like how demoralizing and how discouraging and the rejection. And because clearly Michael, Dustin's character, can act and is a proficient actor in a lot of ways. The way that he teaches people to act as well, the way he gets, um, oh, I forgot to write down her name, the girlfriend, uh, when when she's getting ready for her audition, the way he's able to like coax out the different emotions and the different motivations. He's very good at what he does, but the like the way that he isn't cast for things and just like the discouragement even for him, I thought was relatable, enjoyable. <laughs> this is a shout out to the felts a bit, but the score consistently reminded me of the music from We Sing in Sillyville. So I just have to shout it out for the people who know it. <laughs> so this movie is just so, it walks such an interesting line because I don't feel like it's all or nothing. Like, I don't feel like it's clearly a feminist film, but I also don't feel like it's a sexist film. So it's just this really interesting balance between kind of these two ideals. And one of the letterbox reviews was talking about how it's a satire on entertainment industry and gender roles and ego. And so I think that's important to remember, too, is that there's not a like not like an agenda, not an agenda, but also not like a singular message takeaway. It's just more like what happens and maybe just to an extreme scale to point out some of the the behaviors and dynamics in society and michael is such a complicated character because in some ways he is such a feminist and in some ways he really does so much to support women and uh kind of help move uh women's rights forward and otherwise he is so terrible he is awful and treats women terribly and some of the things that i think he does really well that i appreciated when he first comes in as dorothy he very intentionally avoids ogling women like it's kind of played as a joke but like he could have been really creepy and really like oh here's a chance that I have to just like look at this woman in her bra but he like <laughs> when he first comes in he's like he's what a, a nice table <laughs> like, <laughs> he doesn't take advantage of a situation that it would have been easy to for a straight man to do so I think at a, another point kind of halfway through the film he, I think he's, I don't remember who he's saying this to, but he says, I understand you a lot better than you think I do, because I think he recognizes how he mistreats women. And he himself has like a character arc and a character growth with the way that he realizes how women are treated and how he himself has a hand in that. Because I think it's pretty easy for some of these big isms in the world to see like, oh yes, people are treated like this, but like, I don't really play a part in that. And then it's another step to recognize the areas where you do play a part in the way that people are mistreated and being able to recognize it and call it out for what it is and take responsibility for it is a very scary but very necessary step. One of the other things that I really appreciated that this film did was near the end 
when the creepy guy, what's his name? John Van Horn, the older doctor actor, comes over. They kind of have this this kerfuffle and then he leaves. I think uh, Bill Murray's character says something trying to make light of the situation and Michael says rape is not a laughing matter. Like I appreciated that they did not make jokes about this very serious topic that does not get the respect it deserves. So I feel like in some ways, Michael Dorsey is a bit of an anomaly, at least especially with other men in the film, um, that he is aware, intentional, and tries to stand up for women. Then at the same time that he's doing all this, that he's also experiencing what it is like to be a woman in the show business, there's a lot of negatives uh, to the things that he's doing. First of all, he takes a woman's role and takes takes it away from his friend in a lot of ways. Obviously, mm-hmm. she like didn't get the chance to to read but there is something like a little bit rough about that. He uses sex to cover up the secret and like is pretty manipulative with his girlfriend and treats her really terribly in a lot of ways. And um, kind of it, and I, I think part of that is to show this parallel of like, oh, wow, he's being treated terribly as a woman, but he is perpetuating that attitude. Exactly. And again, I think some of that is he does recognize at the end like, I think there is a bit of a reckoning with himself and what he does, but I don't know that it's, like, completely, because she just kind of leaves, and I don't really know that there's, like, a lot of remorse on his end, necessarily. I don't know. What do you what do you feel? Yeah, I feel like he doesn't, like, that's not really resolved. Like, the last scene that we see of his girlfriend is her screaming at the TV because she just found out that he stole her role. Right. And never told her about it. But I do, I like this one letterbox review that says the the only scene they liked was when he tells her that he's in love with someone else and she gets so angry and he's like, what can I do? And she says, nothing. I'm just going to feel this way until I don't feel it anymore and you're just going to have to know that you're the one that made me feel this way. He was being a jerk and she didn't really forgive him for it. Like She's like, this is how I feel and you're going to have to deal with that. And I'm not going to say that it's okay. I'm not going to say that it wasn't your fault. I'm I'm just going to leave and you're going to know that I'm mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that there's like nothing you can really do to fix it. Yeah. You can't fix it. Yeah. So he's a very interesting character. I don't think he is this m- completely moral, upstanding, gets Hero. everything right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But at the same time, he's not like the other men in the film to the same degree, but he's not above blame. I feel like it is like maybe they included that element of him being a jerk so that it wasn't like, you know, like a white savior, like a man coming into a woman's role and saving the women. Right. When, like, he's fixing everything because he's a man. He can do it better than a woman. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I do kind of appreciate that. Like, he's not this perfect angel that's fixing women's society or the right. perspective of women. Right. Because I feel like it's it's slightly problematic to be like, wow, look at these issues that women have faced for and centuries. And only a man can, only come, a man in can come in and point them out it. and fix it. Yeah. And and command the respect that, yeah, exactly. So then some interesting things, like how he is experiencing how women are normally treated and where it's alarming for him, I think. You talked about the calling for the taxi, but the number one, like female voices are ignored largely. But also when, like, the guy comes and steals his taxi and he, like, pulls him out and, like, (laughs) the way that women are ignored. The unwanted kiss. Oh, my gosh. The way that it's just like, oh, everybody gets kissed by this guy and that's just the norm, you know? And he's like, he's like, "Eh." yeah. (laughs) And the, the condescending tone used against Dorothy and, like, doesn't know my name and all this stuff and calls her Tootsie. And then... 
the director is so terrible. I pat the butts of the ladies and uh, yeah, the hospital slut. <laughs> Julie falls, I think, at one point in this show and like while they're shooting it, Dorothy a chance and or I think maybe like the the patient like grabs onto her. Do you know what I'm oh, talking yeah. about? It's like one of the yeah. first scenes. And they like, oh, are you okay? And he, the director comes over and is like, no, she's fine. Like he's speaking for the women, just kind of assuming authority in that way. And then also, of course, the terrible other actor, John Van Horn, when, and it's like when, even when everything's revealed, it's like, oh, I knew there was some reason she didn't like me. Like, oh, this is, or maybe that was the director actually who said that. But yes. <laughs> yeah. So just this like assumption of, of being a womanizer. And obviously when John follows her home and forces himself on her and then her being Dor- Dorothy and then only leaves when there's another man in the equation, like how problematic that is and just how terrible like the reality is of that. Um, and obviously like these aren't anything that are, these aren't new. I wonder um, in the 80s, like how these messages were perceived and if it was like, felt like the same thing of because it's like you know there's a little bit of women's lib going on but there's also like a lot of pushback against that and would these these things have been as would they have been revolutionary because i think for us it's like oh it's really easy to see this behavior and we're familiar with it because it's been started to be uh, to be called out but would this have felt the same in the 80s or was this more revolutionary or groundbreaking or oh to see this depicted oh this is hard um, and obviously the the director and the the doctor actor, they're shown as idiots. Like they're pretty bumbling. They're pretty um like they are men of power, but they're like buffoons in a lot of ways. And I think that is helpful. Not to really show. respectable. Yeah. I think that's helpful to show like, okay, clearly their actions are not praiseworthy. But at the same time, and I think this is maybe where like some films in the more recent decades have shown through of like what would it look like if men of respectability and of power behaved like performed these same actions and would they get away with like obviously these men do get away with their actions but like it's easy for us the audience to be like well they're stupid like they're treating women terribly and they're they're idiots but like it looks different when you know the per like i think in the world in real life ceos and other directors are respected and how much harder it is as a woman to fight against that manipulation and that power, uh, that abuse of power. Uh, and again, this is a comedy <laughs> in a lot of ways. And I don't know that it was like trying to make, I don't know. I don't know what this movie's trying to do. What the point was. Yeah. Because I do think like there's a lot to talk about here and there is a lot of really interesting discussions to be had around it. And it's kind of disguised as a comedy. Like, oh, it's it's laughable. And, and we have these like really serious topics. But it's it's a little Twilight zone right? Where it's like, oh, we're, we can talk about like racism and sexism and mistreatment of people. We put it in outer space and we, we have an alien saying it. And so therefore it kind of flies under the radar a little bit. I do wonder like with it being a comedy, is the comedy derived from the gender the gendered norms being challenged like oh it's funny because a man is being treated like this oh it's funny because it's funny that he's gonna be kissed because a man is kissing a man un- unknowingly versus like would this be funny like do y- you know what I'm trying to say like yeah like is is Dorothy's reactions funny because 
she's really a man or is it funny because like oh this is horrible that anyone would be treated like this and you know comedy and horror are like two sides <laughs> of the same coin you know I think it is I kind of like I like what you said about Twilight Zone like it I think it was put in a comedic form I mean I don't know what the director was sure hoping. but the fact that it is a man um going through this makes it a comedy but then it allows for us to realize like that all these things are wrong the implications of it yeah 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 and so like you just watch it and you enjoy it but then you're also thinking like oh like that's really like what he's saying is right like that's not okay and the fact that he does it to other women like that's not okay either right that's interesting yeah yeah because I feel like I would be laughing and then I'd be like why am I laughing? Like, <laughs> not that it isn't well done and funny, because I think, again, going back to Dustin Hoffman's performance, he does such an incredible job with it that he is funny. Like, I love his performance so much that that is what is funny. But I'm just like, is the comedy derived from the gendered norms being challenged? Or is it the ironic tension between the audience and the characters? Like, is it funny because we know it's really a man and that complicates things for him I it's just like why is it funny like <laughs> and maybe it's funny for all the reasons but it's just it's really interesting what would like what would it look like would it have the same comedy value if um it was like a woman in this role but it's not because it's that it's that ironic tension yeah, it wouldn't be funny yeah um and it it is interesting because Dorothy behaves and says a, a lot of things that like women would like to say and and how they would like to behave but have been conditioned not to either from being told not to or from trying it and being punished in you know uh large and small ways so that in some ways it's kind of refreshing and I think that's where some of the comedy is derived as well where um Dorothy gets to behave like a man like she gets to speak back and she gets respected but it's still under like this female guise and I think in some ways it's like oh what would what would that for me I feel like I had this reaction of like what would that look like if I could say and do those things but still be respected and like still be taken seriously and so in some ways it's like I don't know it's it's a it's an interesting this film is so interesting. Like, I think you can just watch it and laugh at the the jokes and enjoy Dustin Hoffman's performance. But I'm also, like, having some serious, like, what is going on in this film? Like, what is this supposed to mean? What does this mean for all of us? And um, anyway, I feel like, and there's not going to be a simple answer. Well, a lot of what Dorothy does undermines how women are treated. She stands up for women. She helps a lot of the other females in the cast find their voice, stand up against Van Horn. She really becomes a role model and an example. But at the end of the day, it's still uh, Michael. And so would, would this have been stronger if it were a female? And obviously it's like- just a quirky old woman. That, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and again, the, the point of this film is exploring gendered norms and it's the, the cross-dressing. But I am just like- when it's revealed that it's a man, I think some of the the power of Dorothy 
is lost a little bit and some of like the the change that she's done like feels a little shallow um and also some of the things that he would get upset about I think I'd like to think that Michael has like an understanding of of what it's like to be treated as a woman but is it rage that women are treated like this or is it rage that he's being treated like a woman you know Mm -hmm. because he hasn't had to deal with it his whole life and it's this awakening whereas a lot of other women the the reason like they haven't stood up against it is because this is how they're treated always this isn't anything that's new to them so this is where he gets that opportunity to speak up against it and, and fight against it because he's like wait this is not how i'm normally treated that's not okay so maybe he comes from this like ability to, i don't know i'm just like ah! <laughs> i think and maybe that's initially what it's like for him but i i love when he is working on his wig and he's talking to bill murray and he's he's just like processing what's happened um and he like talks about being called tootsie and 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 he always starts with himself but then he notices how other women are treated as well and i just i like love maybe it's because i relate to like how much i love whenever i get to play characters and stuff but when he's like i think dorothy's smarter than me when he's like when i'm in dorothy's headspace i'm a different person and when bill murray's like talking about different I don't know why I haven't looked up his name but I just refer to him only as Bill Murray but (laughs) when he's like oh well why don't you wear this outfit or that and he's like no Dorothy's not that kind of woman like I love that she really just exists I think he has a lot of respect for Dorothy and doesn't and that's like obviously as an actor you have to if you're gonna do it well but like he doesn't make her silly like I think he actually does develop this respect for women through Mm -hmm. Dorothy that is like separate but still a part of himself and I just I really love this idea of like a healthy male being in touch with like a feminine side and like understanding some of these things qualities that are more quote-unquote female while like and not not having it be a threat to his masculinity like it was lovely (laughs) so anyway I feel like I've wandered through most of the things I've kind of wanted to touch on I don't know if you have anything else you want to add I think it's just a a big soup, um, complicated, messy. I think people can watch this film and either go like, wow, there's a lot of like really pro-feminist ideals here and, and pro-women and trying to make a difference and call out the industry for how it treats women and how it drags them and objectifies them. Um, but then on the other hand, it's like, wow, this is like pretty dated because it's just a man like pretending to be a woman and (laughs) trying to like mansplain feminism you know yeah yeah I I'll just say this is the other quote I wanted to say when Michael says I feel like I have something to say to women something meaningful Mm -hmm. and his um his producer is like you have nothing to say to women and he says no I have plenty to say with women for women or to women I've been an unemployed actor for 20 years I know what it's like to sit by the phone waiting for it to ring. When I finally get a job, I have no control. Everyone else has the power and I got zip. If I could impart that experience to other women like me, <laughs> this producer's like, there are no other women like you. You are a man. So I think that exchange is also kind of what you're saying. Like, it's being aware of itself. Like, this mm-hmm. is about a man and a man's experience. Mm-hmm. And he really can't he still can't relate to women like he's Mm -hmm. hasn't grown up like that like you were saying 
Um, he's had a different life experience. But he also, like he mentions, even before he transformed into Tootsie, like he had had that experience of not being in control and not being able to call the shots. I think when he becomes Tootsie, he realizes, oh, like that's maybe the norm for women really often. Like he recognizes that a lot of women have been feeling the same way that he has, mm. maybe because he notices that Tootsie doesn't get respect. All right, sorry, Dorothy. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Right. Director. <laughs> <laughs> I get confused because the title, she doesn't like they, she they don't listen to her ideas and she just has to go for it, right? Right. But, but yeah, I think that exchange kind of relates to what you're talking about. Yeah. How can we be inspired to be like Dorothy, but not in a way that like this, these are all the answers for women everywhere. <laughs> like, yeah, it's more complicated than that. And <laughs> I think women have a lot of good ideas, too. <laughs> That's the <laughs> line of our <laughs> the byline of our podcast. <laughs> women have good ideas, too. Thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, yes. So we'll go ahead and throw it over to Capital Regime. Um, so some favorite characters, we have Michael Dorsey slash Dorothy Michaels, uh, vote for just Dorothy, um, shout outs to Dustin Hoffman, Dorothy, Michael slash Dorothy, Jessica Lange, who I believe is Julie, and Charles Durning, who's the dad, Bill Murray, wall, always, <laughs> and then Julie and the Bill Murray Bill Murray character, Jeff. Did you have a favorite character? Dorothy. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to not pick her. <laughs> you can read favorite scenes. Okay. I'm just... The unveiling, descending the staircase. Great reference to Sunset Boulevard. Ooh. The convoluted story he comes up with while descending and everyone's reaction reactions punctuated with, does Jeff know? <laughs> When Dorothy talked about buying all the women a cattle prod. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. The photo shoot with Tootsie for all the magazine covers. Dorothy. See, they did it too. <laughs> um, any scene that they were filming the soap opera and then the dancing and proposal scene. <laughs> the scene where Michael bursts into his agent's office. It's hilarious and tells us everything we need to know about his struggles as an actor. And then the final reveal during the filming and when he throws the guy out of a taxi cab dressed as a woman. <laughs> Do you have a favorite scene? Mine's also when he reveals the he's big a reveal and everyone's reactions to it. I do love when he's playing piano. I have to know if Dustin Hoffman really could play piano like that. <laughs> I think I just love when Dorothy's coming into her own, like at the very beginning. Everything that she does when she's reading the um script and then goes to the restaurant with the manager just like when you're we're all starting to get to know Dorothy I think is my favorite so then my big question of course was how does this film contribute to cultural understandings of feminism in what ways does it detract and uh so I'll just read some of those thoughts um contributes by showing inequality in the workplace sexual harassment that occurs Perhaps detracts by showing a male as the catalyst for change instead of women being able to enact change themselves. Wow, that was so succinctly put what I feel like I was struggling <laughs> to say for the last like 20 minutes. It's fine. Um, I love that Dorothy was so strong and stood up for herself. She was not considered beautiful, so it was okay for her to be mannish and strong and forthright. 
Too bad that beautiful women in the film were not given that power or opportunity. I've often thought it would be interesting to deal with the other gender issues, uh, trials, power, and feelings for a week. Think it would be eye-opening and we would have a greater respect for one another and understanding. The idea of like, can a powerful woman exist or does that make her a man? I feel like mm-hmm. that was an interesting theme that played throughout, but I don't know that it answers it. And so I don't, right. I feel like I was already talking about too much. I was like, I'm going <laughs> to let this one sit, but food for thought. As a man, I'm probably not the person to answer, but I was surprised at how um, unproblematic Tootsie was. It has a good message and does an overall good job of addressing it without falling into many of the pitfalls I would expect pitfalls I would expect from an early 80s movie. I don't love that it seemingly takes a man dressed as a woman to be a voice for many of the women in the film. And there are a few insensitive cross-dressing jokes. Also, pretty much everything with Terry Gar was not great, but I was overall pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I feel like that's a, maybe that's one of my things too, is I'm like, it's not a perfect film, but it is surprising it comes from the 80s and it threads this line as well as it does. It seems like this film was way ahead of its time. The 80s don't seem like a female power decade. It did a good job at bringing to light the plight of female actresses having to cater to the men. Okay, favorite aspects of the film. Acting, writing, acting again. Costuming was fabulous. Sets and decor so 80s and it took me back to that era so fast. Spencer loved the music. Gotta love that score and the acting and music. (laughs) And then what's the lesson or takeaway you gained from watching this film? Stand up for yourself, don't hide, and be yourself. The importance of honestly living true to values in every aspect of life. How ridiculous Hollywood is, even though this was technically New York, but applies. How brutal to audition and be in the arts and be constantly judged. Too old, not beautiful, not what we are looking for, etc. Demoralizing and crushing. How stupid some TV shows are, daytime soap operas, and how manipulated media can be. Fickle fame. Sing it right now with Taylor Swift. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) the truth comes out. (laughs) Oh, I, the podcast has no official stance on Taylor Swift. (laughs) I think you've voiced some opinions about Taylor Swift. I have. I'm, I'm going neutral. I'm not saying I hate her. I'm not saying I love her. I'm saying I love the things that she can do, but also she is a little bit problematic. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> no official stance. <laughs> um, Bill Murray is an underrated side character actor. That's the life lesson? Oh, boy. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for sharing <laughs> an opinion with me. <laughs> and don't lie. How brutal it is to be constantly judged. I love that montage when they're like, you're not what we're looking for. We want to go with someone. You're too short. You're yeah, too and he's tall. like, oh, I can do that. I can do that. And they're like, no. <laughs> it's just like, too relatable. <laughs> okay, we can jump into our... Okay, from George. I love this movie, even though it was made 41 years ago. Oh, I did not realize it was 41 years. It doesn't seem so dated, except for maybe the phones. <laughs> this is a brilliantly written, intelligent comedy, so well performed, but complex and layered with biting commentary on how women are treated and viewed still today. It blurs the line of masculinity and femininity. It asks many questions and leaves them for the viewer to contemplate. I feel many men have little or no idea the pressure women face in society. Michael asks, how do women stay attractive and not starve? There is an undercurrent of sex and sex appeal that society condones. Michael is intense, proud, and claims to be committed and have integrity except when he needs to make up excuses. Ultimately, why did he take the role? Was it to empower women and show that they could be strong, or was it because he needed the work? Again, that's for the viewer to think about. 
Just as experiences as an actor translate to what women experience, waiting by the phone and all that that means. Feeling powerless even when they are hired or in relationships. He also delivers some powerful messages. Some powerful messages. At the audition, he exclaims, you want some gross caricature of a woman to prove some idiotic point, like power makes women masculine or masculine women are ugly. Well, shame on the woman that lets you do that. And later, I have a name. It's Dorothy. He empowers Julie to stand up for herself. But is all that become meaningless when Dorothy is revealed to be a man? I hope not. For himself, Michael realizes this. I'm not mentally ill, but proud and lucky and strong enough to be the woman that was the best part of my manhood. The best part of myself. Later, he tells Julia, I was a better man with you as a woman than I ever was with a woman as a man. I really enjoyed seeing, seeing Sidney Pollock both direct and play Michael's agent. The dialogue is quick and quick-witted. One has to pay attention. The play they want to produce, Return to Love Canal. Where did they come up with that? Also, the scene with Michael and George, the agent, about who thinks who is gay, lesbian, and straight. One of the great and important films. Uh, this is from Catherine. I ended up enjoying this film more than I thought I would at the onset. It was interesting to see a film from the early 80s portraying sex sexual harassment in the workplace, since in my life experience, that's only seemed to, to really have been addressed in more recent times, despite existing for decades. It's ironic that it takes a man pretending to be a woman to enact change, especially since that man perpetuates some of the same attitudes and lies against women in his personal life, but at least he sees the hypocrisy in the end and seems to make behavioral changes. Dustin Hoffman's transformation was unbelievable, and his Dorothy character was really hilarious. Her mannerisms and voice were so endearing and funny. I also loved how much he grew to care for Dorothy. I thought the actor who couldn't function without the teleprompter was hilarious, although he was very creepy. Anytime Dorothy would go off script was gold. <laughs> although I'm sure you could have an in-depth analysis about the limitations of this film. For example, I was thinking about the powerful moment where Dorothy deemed uh, demands not to be called Tootsie, Yet the film, well, yet the name of the film is Tootsie. My husband remarked he thought it was probably fairly ahead of its time, although we obviously weren't alive to judge that. Yes, I love, I, I'm glad for some of the specifics she points out with this because it really is, Dorothy is so, so funny. And how awful John Van Horn is. Like, he is a very brilliantly comedic part of it. Like, when he... <laughs> when he's like trying to look at the teleprompter and she keeps being like look at me when i'm talking to you <laughs> like it's funny sense. that someone so bad at his job is like mm -hmm. has so much power he's working there like other actors like dust dustin can't get a job right and next is ryan hatch returning so happy about this i was worried that tootsie would look so bad when viewed through a modern lens but it held up much better than i expected Hoppin proves he can do pretty much everything. I loved the ensemble, though I would have loved, though I would love, wow, though I would love to have the Terry Gar side plot removed or at least tweaked. Jessica Lang is sensational. Every time I see George Gaines on screen, it makes me smile. The film's heart is in the right place, and for the most part, it doesn't sacrifice its message for jokes, which is difficult when you're making a movie like this. Hmm. Yeah, I I like that where there is a lot of the comedy that is derived from. The situation but it doesn't like there are lines drawn in the sand of what can and can't be crossed and mm. messages aren't derailed by the comedy and this one's from jill i was very anxious while watching this movie too many secrets and lies and chances to get caught i was pleasantly pleasantly surprised how well it was all resolved in the end but i'm not sure if that surpassed the uncomfortable nervousness i felt in watching it all right it was interesting i feel like when i 
watched it, pre-watched it before um, officially deciding on it. I was interested to see how it would go over. And I, I feel pleasantly surprised at how much people enjoyed it. So I'm glad about that. Although Kim did text me and say it was the worst film that she'd watched from film club, I think, in its oh history. So I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your honest opinion. Yeah, no, it's great. It's time to leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Which of your many male personas would you like to um, portray in a in a drama? Oh no! How do I choose just one? <gasps> portray. Okay, wait, wait. I need to hear all the context because you asked me, and my brain shut off. In a drama, just just to be portrayed in a like a, in an anthological series, like you'd have to keep up the role it would be just like you'd be in the role for a film like it he wanted out right because he was stuck in it so who would you want to be stuck in oh what a privilege (laughs) oh no oh i would want to say i my heart mm, (laughs) i'm instantly guided to jack skellington or the grinch because i feel like they would just be so fun, unhinged. Um, <laughs> Vito is also up there for sure. Oh, ah, I'm I'm so obsessed with Jack Skellington forever and always. I'll I'll say him. He just barely edges out the Grinch, but okay, we'll go with him. <laughs> so much love. Oh, but also the Scarecrow. Ah, oh no. <laughs> I could spend a whole podcast <laughs> just talking about my personas. I'm going to go with Jack Skellington because I could talk about Halloween all the time. Okay. okay. What's your alternate male name? So Michael Dorsey goes for Dorothy Michaels. So it might not be that simple, that straight across, but Lauren Monson, what's it going to be? Um, Michael. <laughs> Michael <laughs> Dorsey. Just kidding. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Michael starts with an M. Michael Langley. Okay. <laughs> oh, next one. Um, so Dorothy's in a hospital soap opera. What would be the not necessarily like what Jack Skellington would be in, but okay. just if you were in a soap opera, what would it be about? Ooh. Um hmm. I would I'm tempted to just kind of go like the Jane the Virgin route and just you know kind of a telenovela more but i'm like oh is that like (laughs) like should i not 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 risque but like is that cultural appropriation (laughs) oh um so man soap operas are just whack but i i think something like yeah just something dramatic with like family fortune and and uh just about a life about a life but maybe there's like a big era like big mystery included in it of of a death and you know random lost twin that shows up and all the best soap opera twists wow okay what is your dream stage role and it's two parts one is like a realistic and then one is unrealistic so one is like your vocal range your gender and then the other one could be like anything that like you probably wouldn't be able to do i swear we've done this question before have we? It seems really familiar to me. Um, probably dream role would be in Les Mis. So uh, one that's like um, 
feel like Eponine is more of my vocal range. Yeah, and... she's definitely an alto. Yeah. And then, what's my other favorite? I can't say Lion King because I'm I'm not racially. <laughs> <laughs> but it's unrealistic, dream role. Okay, unrealistic, maybe I'd want to be Nala. I think she's so cool. She is. She's the best. Oh, my last question. Um, Which kind of vegetable would you be? (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Um, Celery, my favorite. Or a pumpkin. How dare you? Celery is so good. A pumpkin. How could I not be? But is pumpkin a fruit? You asked me what vegetable. I know, and I'm wondering if pumpkins are Oh, fruit. well here, <laughs> Sim, uh, for all you semantics and syntax people, vegetable is an overarching term for everything edible on a plant. So there, everything is a vegetable. All right. <laughs> Did you know that they used to tax the whole is a tomato, a fruit, or a vegetable thing came from when they, they used to tax vegetables that were coming into the States. And so some guy was saying, these are fruits, not vegetables. And it went all the way to the Supreme Court and they still deemed it was vegetable. So wow. it's not a pays tax. But anyway, fun fact. Fun food fact here on the podcast. Historical food fact. <laughs> what soap opera would you guest star on? But it has to be a, a soap opera that already exists. Oh. Asking you to think about your knowledge of daily soaps. All I can think of is Grey's Anatomy. That's not a soap opera. What's a soap opera? Days of Our Lives, all my chill, like the General I Hospital. Know. I've never heard of any of these. What? Oh my gosh, were you never sick at home and turned on the TV and there was just soap operas on? I watched PBS Kids. <laughs> soap operas have a very different like look and feel to them. Like they're not highly edited. Like the the quality of filming is so different. Like, it's very shiny and real because they, they just don't, it's like they're churned out so quickly. Google um, Google soap operas. And they, they all happen in the day. Grey's Anatomy was was at night. Prime TV. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think Grey's Anatomy is like maybe adjacent in some of the plots. Oh, Days of Our Lives, they make fun of that and Jimmy Fallon, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> it's like All My Children. Is that one? Or is that a... Well, I don't know what the, what the plots are, so I don't know what I would be in. I'll go, I'll throw racism to the wind and I'll be in La Rosa de Guadalupe. And there you go. <laughs> throw <laughs> racism to the wind. <laughs> Any cultural appreciation? appropriation? I mean, I'm, you could, I'm sure they have like white guest stars occasionally. Sure. Okay. And... Now for our cannoli questions from our couple regimes. What TV series, soap, daytime drama, or otherwise, but not game show, would you be in and what character would you portray? So any TV series. I would be in Downton Abbey. Ooh. Existing character That's or new role? A new role. Mm. Some visiting lady. I've been re-watching season four of The Good Place. So potentially could do that but i think in my heart of hearts i'd want to be on doctor who as a new companion obviously (laughs) what would your soap opera character name be Ooh, going with my downton abbey one matthew legley (laughs) or what was it michael legley my downton my downton abbey oh sure 
Lady Mesopotamia. <laughs> <laughs> My soap opera character would be Rose Rose <laughs> Rose Rose Johnson. <laughs> okay, what magazine do you want to be on the cover of? Life. Oh, okay. Uh, ben Person Stiller. Of the year. <laughs> Uh, dog fancy <laughs> as a dog. <laughs> Just trying to think what magazine I subscribed to as a child. Cute. Um, the friend. <laughs> the friend. I don't. What magazines even exist still? People magazine. Yeah, make mm. me a celeb. What is Hoffman's best acting performance? Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> oh my gosh! Just kidding. Um, although I did when he at the beginning when he they were saying like when he was being like an older character and his voice was so deep I could hear Master Shifu because mm -hmm. I can't really hear him because he's just when he's older his voice got so deep so mm, yeah it's so different my uh, first reaction was Kramer versus Kramer oh remember, so good I remember him just breaking my heart in that one Ugh. but I'm also thinking of Rain Man Oh, Rain Man is also so great. Oh, I would just want to do a Dustin Hoffman marathon now. <laughs> I think, I don't know if it's his best performance, but I think one of my very favorite Dustin Hoffman films is The Graduate. Oh, he does a good job in that too. But he's also, the few clips we've seen of Midnight Cowboy were good. Ooh, but he does, he's so fun in this. I abstain from answering. No, I think, oh, he's so good in Rain Man. Maybe that's my favorite Tom Cruise film. I can say that with certainty. Oh, wow. I'm just going to say The Graduate because I love it so much. Which of the Godfather characters would be the most attractive and dressed up like a woman? <laughs> hey. <laughs> Apollonia. I know I'm assuming that they're saying men. Um, maybe maybe Sunny. I mean. Really? I think Michael would. Yeah, but I feel like He's that's... Like He's just the most beautiful out of all of them. So. I feel like he looks the most like Dustin Hoffman. Okay. Out of everyone. Well, I just think he has the most feminine, like he's mm. like the most beautifully, just like classically beautiful features. Like Marlon Brando's too, too masculine, right? How Megan. Salazzo. No way. <laughs> All right, let's chat about the uh, overall film club. I'll tell you our capital regimes deemed the ones who submitted it anyway. Um, so this may not be a representative of the whole, but there was a three-way tie for first place. It's between Arrival, True Grit, and Paddington 2. Cute. <laughs> and then continuing down the list, next is The Sting. Then Tootsie, then Arsenic and Old Lace, On the Waterfront and Diabolique were tied. Crazy Rich Asians was next, then Spirited Away, Bill Cunningham, New York, and then last was Going My Way. People ranked, or the first place um, individually was given to Arrival, True Grit, The Sting, and then two people put Paddington 2 as their favorite film from this year. But you and me, let's break it down. Number 12, what are you saying? 
Um, it turned out to be Tootsie. I didn't mean that to happen. I don't hate Tootsie. I like it a lot, but it well, just... that's the thing. It's just of these films. Yeah. Where are they ranking? That doesn't mean that it's the worst film on here. Yeah, no, I mean, that's... I guess that is kind of what we're saying, but not that it's a bad <laughs> film in comparison just to that like... it's Yeah, not my... Mm-hmm. Just um, I put Going My Way. Um, going My Way is my 11. Tootsie's my 11. <laughs> I just flip-flopped. <laughs> going My Way made me cry. Tootsie did yes. not. Um, my 10 is Crazy Rich Asians. <gasps> my 10 is Crazy Rich Asians. Mm. Number nine. Um, my nine is Paddington 2. Mm, this is where ours will maybe be flip-flopped. Mine was True Grit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, my eight is Bill Cunningham. My eight is Arsenic and Old Lace. Seven is Diabolique. Seven is Bill Cunningham. Six is On the Waterfront. Six is The Sting. Five is Arsenic and Old Lace. Five is Diabolique. Four is The Sting. Four is On the Waterfront. Three is Spirited Away. Three is Arrival. Two is Arrival. Mm, two is Paddington. Two. And one is True Grit. Ah, same as Ryan, I believe. My number one is Spirited Away. Oh. Uh, pretty even across the board this time, I feel like. Kind of on more of the same wavelength. It was a good smattering of films. It was an interesting, like a different challenge in some ways. I feel like we still got a, a pretty good spread, even with like the limitations that we imposed on ourselves. Like we had a, a foreign film, we had animation, we had documentary, we had Western, we had um, rom-com, rom even got a yeah. 1940s film in there. You're going my way. Was that the earliest one? I think so. Yeah. I also wanted to choose Galaxy Quest mm. for G. But I can't remember why I finally did go in my way. It was a fun challenge, I think, to really pay attention to titles more than anything. And I'm excited to delve into 2024. Yeah, so we had some really good films this year. I was happy about Film Club 2023. Yeah, I didn't, I mean, all the films on my Letterbox reviews, I never gave lower than four stars. Mm -hmm. So that's why it was kind of hard to rank them. So yeah, all very good films. Yeah. And yes, Departures was our um, Capital Regime film. Yeah, it was great. And hopefully we'll bring that back again this summer. So stay tuned. Yeah, and our stickers were fantastic. Hopefully the last of the stickers will be getting sent out eventually. Stay tuned for info for this year's. I think we're just going to do another sticker page, but we have yet to have our business meeting with, with Sarah. But um, there will be a chance to express interest in that eventually. Thanks for as always for your participation and we're looking forward to another great year of Film Club with all manner of opinions and thoughts. So never feel shy about expressing yourself and your opinions on film. We love it all. Happy Film Club. That was Film Club. <laughs> I was so worried we were going to run out of time. <laughs> I didn't even realize. <laughs> Um, I really don't have that much to say. Did you hear that? <laughs> there was a ding. yeah. Oh, uh, that's just my water bottle. What was that bird? <laughs> <laughs> um.